right into the word of God. Let's uh, bow and we'll pray one more time. Dear gracious heavenly father, we ask that you would bless me and anoint me as I share your word, illuminate my mind and illuminate the hearts of the hearers and the listeners. And we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. With your Bibles in your hands. Repeat after me. This is my Bible. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me your word. Amen. So last week we were on this subject called King of Kings. And I enjoyed teaching it. I enjoyed uh, sharing it. And so uh, I thought, yeah, I thought I lost you guys, but thank you. So it, 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 it's been, it was deeper in me than what I thought it was. And so I kind of want to stay in that vein. I'm not for sure how long I'm going to go in this, but I think there's more we can explore. So I, I want to take us to a couple scriptures that I quoted last week, but I wanted to bring them and have a little more impact for them today. So Matthew 6 and 9. It says this, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Many of us have quoted that as a young person or quoted as an adult. We've quoted and we call it the Lord's Prayer. But then it comes to a very important part in the next verse, which is verse 10. And it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. As it is in heaven. So the title for today is Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come. Somebody say Kingdom Come. Amen. Kingdom Come. And this is something that God asked us to pray. Jesus asked us to pray, Thy Kingdom Come. But when I say he asked us honestly, he was asking his disciples. And and we will explain that here in just a moment. I'm taking my time today. I got my bow tie on, so... Taking my time. I want to read a a lengthy passage of scripture, and I'm trying not to give a whole lot of of extra extra to it, and I won't have you stand like we did last time, but I'm going to read this passage, and then I'm going to try to tie it together and take us where we're going. So this is all the setup, but I think it's important. So um, in Daniel, uh, and we're not going to read it quite yet, but in Daniel, there is this time where Daniel is dealing with Nebuchadnezzar. And so Nebuchadnezzar would be like the leader of the free world. He was like the most important king at that time. He probably had the, the, the wealthiest uh, army, the wealthiest city. He was over Babylon. So he, he, was, he was a big deal. And at some point, they finally had captured most of the children of Israel, and they were serving in Babylon, many of them exiled. Daniel was one of them. One of the problems with that type of capture is they took the best of the best people, the best of the best men. They took them, captured them, and castrated them. That way they would be no good for anything but service to the king. And so Daniel didn't get to have no wife, no children, no girlfriend, all that. They were really treated poorly. But even being treated poorly, Daniel rose because the presence of God was on Daniel. And I need to let you know, no matter what somebody is trying to do to you, I don't care how bad it is, how horrible it is, when God's hand is on you, nothing can stop you from being elevated. And so Nebuchadnezzar has a crazy dream that he has no idea what it was. He wakes up. He's very confused. And so he calls all his people in and he says, we want, I want you to interpret my dream. And so They said, okay, King Nebuchadnezzar, tell us what you dream. And he said, I don't remember what I dream. And they were like, well, how can we tell you the interpretation if you can't tell us what you dream? And he said, I'm killing everybody unless somebody can interpret what I dream. 
And so that drops us right here. Daniel was the one who rose up and God gave him what he dreamed and gave him the interpretation of the dream. So for those of you who are Bible scholars, you understand and know the story, but let's read it here. Daniel 2, 29 says this. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. Verse 30. And it is not because I am wiser than anyone else. See how humble Daniel was. It's not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. In your vision, in your vision verse 31, in your vision, your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge shining statue of a man. It was a frightening sight. Verse 32, the head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze. 33, its legs were iron. Its feet were a combination of iron, baked clay. Iron and baked clay. Verse 34, as you watched, a rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. Verse 35, the whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. Then the wind blew them away without a trace, like chaff on a threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. Got a few more verses to read, but I'm going to pause here just for a second and because we, we jump to the interpretation. But basically, he sees this huge statue laid out in all these different precious metals. But the different precious metals, it represented different kingdoms. Actually, God was showing Nebuchadnezzar what was going to happen. And if you track history, and this is one of the, the reasons why you can say the Bible was true because this history came. It, it tracks all the way through Alexander the Great, all the way down to Roman rule. It comes all the way down to the time when Jesus showed up. By the time Jesus showed up, the Roman Empire was reigning. So it goes from Nebuchadnezzar, which is Babylon. It tracks several thousand years all the way down to the time where Jesus would be born in the Roman rule. And so the iron and mixed with clay was that Roman time. And so now he's going to give a little bit of the interpretation. I skipped and I didn't give the fullness. You can read that on your own. It's very interesting. But uh, let's look at verse 36 and then we'll skip ahead. Verse 36 says this. That was the dream. Now we will tell the king what it means. It's interesting. Daniel's the only one talking. He said we because he understands he's talking with the authority of the Lord. Verse 44. During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness and it will stand forever. Then 45. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands, that crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true, and its meaning is certain. So this is a whole lot of information, but it's quite powerful, but to speed it up and to get you where I need you to go so we're all thinking on the same plane, a little tiny rock was hewn from a mountain somewhere else and it came and it hits this big tall statue and it starts crumbling it from the bottom all the way up till nothing was left. But then eventually this little tiny rock grew into a huge mountain. Let's put this up. And this will help us, and then I'm going to try to begin to preach. Just kind of walking it, trying to get you to catch it, and then I'm going to put it all together for you. When we say kingdom come, we are really saying kingdom grow. Because the kingdom is here now, and we know exactly the moment it arrived. It arrived when God's will was fulfilled. I'll try to come back and pick that up later and tie that in together. So 
When we say kingdom come, it's not that the kingdom hasn't come. It's come, but what we're saying is we want it to grow. We want it to expand. Another example that, I could, that will help you win, um, and you guys can put the camera back up here, but when little kids play with sometimes, they'll have little animals that you'll find maybe at a Cracker Barrel or something, but they're not animals. They're normally in these little small capsules. And then they'll say, put the capsule in water. And once that little capsule gets in water, it actually expands till it fills up the whole thing. And then this animal or whatever was on the box comes out. And so inside the box is the animal. But the animal doesn't show up as an animal. It shows up something very small. And I need to say this before I move on. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Because the thing in you that is small, God has already built the DNA of expansion inside of it. Your business may be small now, but expansion is inside of it. Your, your thoughts and dreams may be small now, but expansion is inside of it. So when we say kingdom come, we're actually saying kingdom grow, kingdom expand. I understand from last week the kingdom is within me, but I need it to expand. I need it to grow. I need it to push the other junk inside of me, out of me. Because yes, the kingdom is in there, but I got some other stuff in there. I got some trauma in there. I've got some inferiority in there. I got some low self-esteem in there. I got some lust in there. I got some anger in there. I got some issues in there. My friend says, I got some issues in my tissues. I got some stuff going on. I got some junk in my trunk. So when I say kingdom come, I'm not asking it to come from out the sky. It's in here, but I'm saying kingdom expand. Kingdom grow until it pushes out everything not like you in my life. Until the inferiority has to die. Until the anxiety has to die. Until the depression has to die. Until the low self-esteem has to die. Until the trauma has to die. Kingdom come or kingdom grow. Kingdom expand. I know you're here, but I need you to grow. And I have to be willing to allow it to grow. I have to be willing to go ahead and tell the truth that I got some stuff in me that can't stay in me if I'm going to be what I need to be. It's funny, I was talking back there to the boys in the back and we're talking about something. And one of them who shall remain nameless, Damari, excuse me, but one of them had left their water from uh, last week. It was half drunk water and they had left it there. And so I was teasing him, and I was like, you left your stuff there. And then he's like, did I? And then finally he said, well, I may be guilty of that. And so then I turned to my boys and said, you hear that? That's something I've never heard y'all say, that you might be guilty of something. It would be good to fess up. And so I was just teasing them. But some Christians act like the moment they got saved, they don't have nothing that needs to be pushed out of their life. I can't lie, I got a whole bunch of stuff in me that still needs to be pushed out of me. I'm not proud that it's in me, but it's in me. But I'm still saying kingdom come and kingdom grow. I'm not going to be angry forever. I'm not going to be lying forever. I'm not going to be lusting forever. I'm not going to be backsliding forever. One day I'm going to be what God wants me to be. But I got to be honest, God, I need your kingdom to grow in me. I need it to expand in me. And there are some people, they like the small God because the small God don't never bother them. The small God don't bother them when you lying on folk and stabbing folk in the back and you're pulling people down. The small God don't bother you, but when you got the kingdom expanding in you, the kingdom will say, don't go there and don't say this. And ask for forgiveness. And don't, don't just, just let this go. Let this slide. I believe the God in my wife was rising up in her last night because we went somewhere to get something to eat. And then uh, she got a smoothie. And it took them a long time to get it. Real long time. And then when she tasted it, it didn't taste like she wanted it to taste. And she was ready to go there and get her, her money back. And then she just was like, ah, well, he's having a rough day. I'm just going to let it, let it go. 
I'm going to let this one slide. Sometimes God makes you let stuff slide that you have a right to get. He makes you give people grace when you don't feel like giving people grace. When you want to tell somebody off, sometimes God will just pull your coattail. And when you got the small God, you don't listen to him. You do your own thing. But when you want the kingdom of God to come, you say, God, it's your way or the highway. I want it your way. I don't like it. But God, if you like it. I love it. It may hurt me, but I'm going to do it. I'm staying in this marriage. I'm not quitting. I'm not walking away. I'm staying in this job. I'm staying in this church. Why? Because I want the kingdom of God to come or to expand in me. All right. Let's look at Isaiah 11, the New Living Translation. I'm going to give us a real clear example of this. Isaiah 11, uh, the first verse, New Living Translation says this, Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. If you know the previous chapter, basically the reason why the tree was a stump was God cut it down, chopped it off. The Bible says that if you aren't growing, he chop you down, chop you off. If you are growing, he cuts on you so you grow some more. So you're going to get cut either way. In this particular thing, he was so fed up with them that he cut them all the way down. And I'm here to let you know God loves you, but sometimes he will cut you down to size. If you get arrogant and you think you all that and a bag of chips, and we ain't talking about no any kind of chips. We're talking about Dorito chips, not great value chips. We're talking about name brand chips. You think you all that and some name brand chips, watch God will bring you down to size. Because the Bible says, I will not share my glory with another. And if you think you all that, just wait. God has a way of bringing you down. Never forget the story of a friend of mine who had, he, he was talking to another friend of mine, and I've told the story before, but it's a true story, and so, so the friend of mine was talking to the other friend of mine, and the other friend said, I made a mistake, cheated on my wife, I know I shouldn't have done it, blah, blah, blah. Well, my friend of mine went off on him. Wasn't that he did what was right? But he went off on him and he did it in a little bit of an arrogant manner. Within a year's time, the person going off had done the same thing. It's amazing how you laugh at somebody else's sin, but wait when it hits your door. I would never do that. Don't say what you would never do. Because you don't really know you. And when you get backed up in a corner, you don't know what you might do. So the Bible says we restore people in love, considering ourselves. So when someone's down now, don't you get the high mind because God may have to cut you down to show you you ain't all you think you are. And so when a pastor falls, I'm the last to talk about it because it could be me next. No, not my pastor. He's saved and sanctified. And he filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes, I am. And I'm still full of flesh. And if I don't have people praying for me, and if I don't stay in this word, it's no telling what I would do. So I don't ever get the big head when you fall because it could be me. But here's the thing. I would rather humble myself than to have God have to humble me. The Bible says it this way. Fall on the rock so the rock don't have to fall on you. And so Israel had gotten the high head. And how we know they got the high head? Because they had got money and they would not take care of the poor. They had gotten money and they would have what they call improper balances. They, they would weigh things. They was cheating people out of stuff. And God says, I done brought you from slavery out of Egypt. And now several years later, here you are taking advantage of people. I can't deal with that. I'm going to cut you down the size. But even though he cut them, he made this statement. Let's go back to the scripture. Pull the scripture back up. He said, let's go. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. I'm about to cut you down, but I'm not going to leave you lonely. I'm going to cut you down, but I'm going to leave something in you. I'm about to wear you out, but I'm going to leave 
a little specimen of me inside of you. That way you can bounce back when it's time to bounce back. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. Now put this picture up. So here's a picture of a stump. That has been cut down to size. There's no life. It used to be a big tree. There's nothing left. It was chopped. But in the middle of it, here comes a branch growing out. And for some of y'all who've been down right now, I'm here to let you know something small is rising back up in you. The relationship didn't work and it brought you low and you've been crying, you've been crushed, you've been hurt, but it didn't take everything from you. Something still is growing up out of you and it's the kingdom of God because when God chastises you, he doesn't leave you without his presence because the Bible says that you were created in the image of God and he breathed in you the breath of life and you might be down right now but God will leave a little life in you just in case you want to repent and just in case you want to turn around I'm going to allow the kingdom of God to begin to grow up out of you it may be small and nobody may notice it there's some people passing you by because they don't know God's growing up in you There's some people overlooking you because they don't know God's growing up in you. And sometimes you don't even know because it's small. But let me tell you something. Small things becomes great when the master gets his hands on it, when the master gets to working, when when the master gets to touching it. He's the one that took a two-piece fish dinner and fed 5,000 people. He better than KFC. He better than Popeye's. He better than Lee's famous recipe. He can take the small things and he can advance them. He can expand them so I want you to get your hope up you may be small but something's growing in you your your business may be small but something is rising up in you your your dreams may be small but something's rising up in you yes you were chopped down but it's not over yet look at somebody say it's not over yet my story is not ending yet. It's not over yet. There's a twist at the end of my story. Here's the funny thing about a plays. Plays have something called intermission. And at intermission, the story is not finished. If you leave at intermission, you're going to get to see the end of the story. And some folk have left your life because it was intermission. But they forgot to come back for the next act. My next act going to be my best act. Don't walk out on me. Don't turn around on me. Don't, 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 don't you cast me out yet. There's something going on in me. Yes, it's small. And yes, I'm in little old mercy. And yes, I only got a bus pass. And yes, I'm on Section 8. And yes, I'm using an EBT card. But listen, I want you to use your EBT card with some gusto. Swipe it because you won't be swiping forever. Walk in the Section 8 house and lift your head up high because you may not live there forever. I need you to understand where you are right now may not be where you're going to end up. Get your hope up and declare kingdom is coming inside of me. Now, some of y'all will stay in section eight because the mansion ain't nothing, don't mean nothing. But here's the thing, wherever you are, you're going to have joy where you are and you're going to be where you want to be. I'm not going to allow the devil to dictate my life. I'm dictating my life based on the kingdom of God inside of me. Now, the story that we told you, there was this big old huge statue, but a little small rock began to tear it all the way down. And here's the thing. There's something small in you, but it's tearing the things down around you. I want to give you one more picture, and then we're going to move forward a little bit. So let's put this other picture up. You see, it it grows a little more. Look at both sides. These are two different stumps. But if you keep feeding that, what used to be a stump is going to be a tree again. On both sides, we see it's small, but it's growing. Somebody say, I'm small, but I'm growing. I'm weak, but I'm getting stronger. I've been pushed over, but I'm bouncing back. I've been going under, but I feel my help coming. 
I'm rising up again. And if you saw Jesus on what would have been Thursday night, you would have thought it was over. If you, if you saw him on the cross, you would have thought it was over. When you saw them put him in the tomb, you would have thought it was over. When you found out he went down to hell, you would have thought it was over. But I heard early one Sunday morning, he got up out of the ground with power in his hand. And I say it all the time because the Bible says it. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it lives inside of you. So I may be beat right now, but I'm coming back alive. I may be hurting right now, but I'm coming back alive because the kingdom is coming inside of me. It's expanding. I'm growing and my bounce back is going to be all right. Coming back, coming back. I'm coming back. Bouncing up. I'm moving, moving forward. And when you put the whole thing together, and I, I never understood this, but I've gone through rough things. And at the end of the rough things, and I bounce back, I thank God, not for the bounce back, I thank God for the rough things. Because if it wasn't for the rough things, I wouldn't bounce back the way I bounce back. Okay, now, let me see if I can explain it better. I used to like to play with rubber bands. And uh, I see Brother Marwin right here. If I want to shoot Brother Marwin, I may not have to pull back that far because he's a little close. But the farther I want the rubber band to go, the further back I got to stretch it. And you may be wondering why you stretch so hard and stretch so long and pull so bad. But because you're going so far and God's not going to let you go until he pulls you where he needs to pull you. But baby, when he lets you go, the kingdom is going to come. When he lets you go, the business is going to grow. When he lets you go, the marriage is going to bounce back. And guess what? You're going to thank God for stretching you. He stretched me so he could bless me. He pulled me so he could launch me. I know it hurt, but kingdom come in me. Grateful. I'm, uh, Sister Trish, I'm so grateful for my babies. I'm grateful for my kids. But I wonder, would I be as grateful if we didn't have the miscarriages? I didn't appreciate the miscarriages, but when I look back over my life, I have to say it was the miscarriages that makes me as grateful as I am. And when people say, oh, Pastor Andre, you are a great father. I wonder would I have been a great father if I didn't go through what I went through. So God, thank you. For what I went through. Because it made me what I am today. Yes the devil meant it for evil. But God meant it for my good. And we know all things. Work together for those that love God. And are called. According to his purpose. Isaiah 11 2a. Here's the. The crux of it all. So. We're shouting because we're talking about the bounce back or the forward flight. But this is what keeps us together in the process. Uh, Isaiah 11.2a says, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. I would have lost my mind, but he rested on me. I would have committed suicide, but he rested on me. He laid on me. He, he held me together. He held my mind together. Yes, I tried some old granddad. And yes, I had some Bacardi 151, but it didn't do what I wanted to do. Yes, I was doing this and doing that, but the only reason why I made it is because he rested on me. He laid on me. He, he, he kept me from doing what I wanted to do. He, he put his hand on me. He put his, he put his life on me. He put his power on me. And guess what? I was trying to get away sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, Sister Ella, I was like, nah, I bump all this. This is just too much. Trying to get away. But he rested on me. And when, 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 when God rests on you, 
then you know if somehow he removes his hand, you say, no, no, I got to have that back. My wife seen something the other day that she hadn't seen before, but I seen it done. But my dog, the dog that I didn't want, was in my lap on the couch, and I'm rubbing his head. Me and him have a good old time, and I boy, he, his eyes rolling back in his head. He he feeling good, and so I got tired of rubbing him, and I put my hand to the side. And I tell Devin, watch, and he looked back at me, like why why are you stopping? And finally, he took his paw and tried to grab my hand to put it back on him because it was feeling good. And I'm here to let you know the reason why you're in church is because it felt like God's hand was off of you. And you said, God, put your hand back on me. I don't want you to leave me, God. I don't want to get so successful that I don't have your touch. Put your hand on me, God. Spirit of the living God, rest on me. Sister Jasmine, I don't want him just to rest on me for me. I want him to rest on me for you. Because you like me, you like the version of me that God has his hand on. You wouldn't like the version of me where God takes his hand off of me because I'm not so pretty and I'm not so well. So for your sake, I need God's hand on me. Your bosses don't understand. They ought to be happy that God's hand is on you. Because if his hand wasn't on me, I'd tear this place up. I, I'd make a mess in this place. I, I'd quit and tear everything up on my way out. You better be glad God has his hand on me. And that person that's talking about you, lying on you, he better be glad God got his hand on you. That baby daddy better be glad God got his hand on you because you would do some stuff. You'd put some sugar and flour in his brand new car in a heartbeat. But because God's hand is on me. All right. We done tore some stuff up. <laughs> up in here. Y'all about to make me lose my mind up in I'm so glad God his hand on me. Because you don't know what I used to be. You don't know what I used to do. You don't know how I used to act. You better thank God that God's in my life. Because the person you see now ain't who it always used to be. But because the kingdom is expanding in me, you are happy. Some of y'all kids are happy. They don't understand. You done just got older. And you don't feel like yelling and doing what you used to do. Some of y'all young boys that got smart mouths, you would have been slammed a long time ago. But, but God just, just touched your mama's head and mama's like, I ain't going to do it today. But don't keep pushing. You might be on your back. All right, enough of that. 11 2 B. Let's, let's, let's look at how the spirit comes. I'm going to kind of speed up from, from here on because I've given you pretty much what you need to know, but I'm going to speed up a little bit. 11, 2B says this, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Many scholars call it the sevenfold spirit of God. It's first a spirit that rests, and then there's all these things, and so we're going to make them into points. And so would you put them up? So we already, we're already giving you the first point, so we'll start with two. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, the fear of the Lord. When God comes with his spirit, his spirit is full. It's manifold. It's not like just one thing. I'll give you an example that, that, that you can probably understand. Back in the day when, when us was growing up and you went to the fast food place, you had Sprite, Coke, Mellow Yellow, that's about it. Now, we, when we was young, we made suicides. We tried to put it all together to make it taste good. But you don't have much options. But my kids, they grew up in a time they can go to this drink that has a hundred different options. 
You can push all kinds of different flavors. You, you, you don't have to make up a suicide. You can mix whatever you want. You can mix lemonade and ginger ale. You can have cherry syrup and lime syrup. It's manifold. It's full. It's extra. It's over. And here's the thing. Sometimes people think that when God's spirit comes on you, it comes in a limited way. But no, wisdom comes and counsel comes and might comes and understanding and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And when God gets on me and his kingdom comes in me and begins to expand in me, there's all kinds of stuff happens. And I want to announce to some of y'all, you're going to start experiencing stuff that you haven't experienced before. Some of y'all are going to start dreaming again. You used to dream, but you're going to start dreaming again, and the dreams are going to have meanings. And you're going to start getting interpretations. You're going to be wondering, what's going on in me? You're seeing a new facet of him. You're seeing extra, something that you haven't had before. David said this way, oh, taste and see. The Lord is good. I'm going to pick on somebody who's not here, and this is my goddaughter, who I call my daughter uh, Jossie. Jocelyn Jimenez, when she first started hanging around us, every time we'd go somewhere, all she would get was chicken fingers. Don't care how fancy the restaurant was, chicken fingers. And one time I told her, look, you got you to grow out of chicken fingers. You're going to have to try to taste some other things. You're going to try to expand your horizon. And here's the thing, there's nothing wrong with chicken fingers, but sometimes we get comfortable. But God says, I want you to taste some more stuff. I don't want you always going for the safe option. I want you to try something. Well, what if I don't like it? You just don't like it. But you need to taste it. And sometimes you find out, oh, I actually do like that. I got to expand myself. And so when the spirit comes, it's not just coming so you can hick him aside on Sunday. Ooh, we had a time. No, God wants you to have more than just that. He wants you to have some of the bubba 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 when you ain't in church. See, God is awesome, but what I'm so grateful about God, I felt him not just in the pulpit. I felt him not just in the pews, but I've had God hit me in the car. I've had God hit me in the kitchen. I've got, had God hit me in the store. I've had God hit me on the job. See, God is not bound by these walls. He got more to offer, but you got to be willing to say, God, I want more than just chicken finger anointing. God, give me some caviar anointing. Give me some steak tartare anointing. Give me something extra. Give me a creme brulee anointing. I want something different. I don't want just cinnamon rolls. Give me something extra. God, what you have for me, I want it all. So kingdom come. All right, 11.3. He will delight in 11.3, he will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. We're talking about this little tiny root, which is, of course, talking about Jesus. I didn't tell you that, but I thought basically you understand in last week's sermon that this is a prophetic thing about the King Jesus. And so this little tiny root is doing all these amazing things. Let's look at verse 4. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. You mean this little tiny root's going to do all that? Yes, he is. Verse 5, he will wear righteousness like a belt, truth like a garment. It's where we get later on, we get the, the armor of the Lord and, and the uh, belt of righteousness, I mean the belt of truth. We get that from there. Now here's points 8, 9, 10, and 11. So that spirit... Also brought obedience. Uh-oh. We don't like that word. Obedience. Yeah, the spirit brings obedience. Judgment, justice, and righteousness. So the little tiny root, that little tiny thing that was small, first of all, it came as a rock. But this has got many times in the Bible they give you several metaphors for the same type of thing. So the first metaphor was a little tiny rock taken from a mountain. That's going to hit and then it's going to grow up. Then he says, I got this little root coming out of the stump that was cut down, but it's growing up. But the thing about it is I'm putting extra on top of it so that it can grow. And once it does grow, then what it's supposed to do is supposed to respond with obedience, judgment, which is righteous judgment, justice. 
You're supposed to have justice. You're supposed to do what's right by people. I don't know why I'm going here, but I'm going to go here real quick, and I'm going to get there, and I'm going to go off of it. Stop borrowing money from people when you don't plan on paying them back. Just tell the truth. I, I, I don't plan. I want you give me. Don't say borrow. Give me. Yeah, donate to me. Be, be charity for me. Because I don't plan on giving it back. But then we want God to bless us when we don't operate with justice. When you duck and dodge people because you promised to give them something, don't be mad when God is ducking and dodging you and the anointing is not following on you. You need to operate with some justice. Now, I said I'm going to get off of it. I'm going to stay there just a little longer. When you are in positions of authority, Memphis police officers, you don't beat somebody to a pulp just because you got a badge and you got, off, uh, and you got a government behind your name. You learn how to operate with justice. Killing people just because you can. Because you can get away with it. And everybody else is going to tell the same story that you told. And some of these cops ain't nothing but dirty devils with badges, with power and authority. But we want justice to come back to the people of God. So are you mad at cops? No. We just need some righteous people to start getting on those jobs. And start operating in righteousness. Not everything needs to be fixed with an arrest. Some things need to be fixed, but man, go home. Go home and act right. I'm going to check on you tomorrow, and hopefully you're sober. If you ain't sober by tomorrow, I'm taking you to jail. But right now, I'm getting you off the street. I'm trying to help you because I'm not trying to jail everybody so I can have free labor. I'm trying to have justice. That's a message in itself, so let me get off of that. So all that comes with that root because the root is Jesus, and Jesus lives inside of us, his spirit. Verse 6, in that day, look at this, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion and a little child will lead them on. So now it's switching from just the root being something that's coming to save Israel. It's talking about a futuristic example. So it's telling us that this kingdom that's in us, that's growing and expanding, it's creating what we said last week. It's creating heaven on earth. It's actually bringing heaven to earth so it changes everything. So before when God created everything in the garden, everything was ate by vegetation. There was no hierarchy. There was no reason for the lion to eat another animal because lions are uh, carnivorous. That means they flesh-eating animals, but they used to, everything used to just eat vegetables. But now everything got to die. I like you, chicken. But you got to die because I'm hungry. Why did the chicken cross the road? Because he was running from Andre trying to cook him up. Fry him up real good and crispy. The air fryer is good, but sometimes I don't want no air fryer. I want some deep fried golden brown chicken. But that changed the whole cycle of life. So now because sin came in, Everything is dog eat dog, what they call it in the words, dog eat dog. It's crabs in the barrel. If I'm going to go up, I got to pull Devin down. If I'm going to make it, I got to make sure Devin gets stabbed in the back because it's this survival of the fittest mentality. But the Bible says when that king begins to rise and the kingdom begins to rise, he reverses things back to where the lion can lay down with the lamb. Ain't no lamb in his good mind going to lay down next to a hungry lion unless there's a brand new spirit in the age. And that's what we're doing. We're ushering in a new spirit. Now, of course, and we're going to read some more. Of course, this is talking about animals and it's talking about in heavenly type of thing. But let's start thinking about how can it work right now? How can it work right now in our day and age? In our day and age, it can work right now is, let me say it this way. I never got on Facebook to see what somebody else was doing. 
I got on Facebook to post what I was doing. So you have people who all they do is sit up all day is look at what somebody else say so they can talk about it. Boy, I tell you what, I, Trish do all that, uh, acting like she's saved, but, but I, let me tell you what she really is. I've been looking at her Facebook. Why are you looking at her Facebook? So, because I'm being the lion. I'm trying to tear her down. Because if I can tear her down, it makes me look better. It makes me look better if I can bring you down. And some of y'all don't understand that some of y'all girls, you are dating narcissistic men that act like they love you, but they keep trying to tear you down the size. They keep trying to bring you down. You got to understand, no, when the kingdom of God is in me, you can't tear me up if you try. If you bite me, you might get anointed trying to bite me. I'm somebody in God. Don't try to mess with me. Don't try to tear me down, but build me up. So when we learn that we can build each other up, it's like the lion laying down with the lamb. It's peace happening. And then it says even a child can lead them. It's not worrying about who gets the credit. And in saying that, we just come through a season with Asbury University, which I talked about last week. And we see pockets of things going on where there's a revival that was happening or an awakening that was happening. And it was happening mainly with students. And they, they, they come to find out that there were adults they were trying to come in and take over because they were trying to come in and be the face of, trying to come in and do, but the Bible says a child would lead. Let me tell you something. When young folk get on fire for God, you don't need a whole bunch of bishops and popes and cardinals. All you need is some college students on fire for God. They'll change a whole nation. Why can you say that, Pastor Andre? Because wasn't none of the disciples old? Jesus died at 33. David fought Goliath when he was young. If you look all throughout the Bible, God used young folk. And when young people get on fire for God, the, the child can lead them. We are what we're trying to do. We're trying to develop them so we can sit back and say, let them go. And I miss them, but I'm so grateful that my daddy would push me. And say, go, Andre, go. He gave the church over to me right after we built a big building and said, go, Andre, go. Because he was trying to push me and push that next generation. And you may have missed out on some stuff, but that don't mean your child missed out on it. Push that next generation. And next generation, don't get mad when we push you. Don't we get mad when we start looking at your grades. Don't get mad when we start going through your Snapchat. See, we didn't have to deal with all this stuff. They got a lot of stuff to deal with. But young folk, the reason why we stay on your tails because we know what's out there. Y'all just playing with it because you're young. But you, you don't understand your whole career can be derailed by one moment. That's why we stand on you. That's why we praying for you. That's why we in your face. That's why we getting on your nerves because we're trying to preserve you because we know you can lead that next move of God. I may look like I'm 25, but I sure ain't. No, I'm, I'm, I'm getting older. So I, I need to pour into that next group. We got to pour into that next group. A few more verses, then we got to get out of here. Verse 7, this paints that same picture, so I won't add anything to it. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. Verse 8, the baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hands in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. That is a total different reversal. So that's what God is trying to do. So I, I said all that to, to lead it to this point right here. The spirit also leads with this. When the kingdom comes and grows and expands, it leads with this point 12. Put it up. It leads us with radical peace. We have violence in the land. But if we keep pushing the kingdom radical peace will show up. I'm telling you, the laws ain't going to do it. The government's not going to do it. The only thing that's going to get this violence out of the land is going to be the kingdom of God coming and expanding. It's going to bring radical peace. Verse 9. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will will be filled 
with people who know the Lord. Oh, so here's the key. How this changes is when a bunch of people who know the Lord begin to expand in the earth. So it doesn't do any good for us to send everybody to hell. It really helps if we go out there and try to rescue people and deliver people because the more that the people know the Lord, the more that the peace will come, the wisdom will come, all that spirit. So we got a job to get out there. The reason why I want the kingdom to expand, not just so that we can get off of Section 8. Well, that's what the pastor said. I ain't going to be there all my life. No, you, you're thinking selfishly. No, the real kingdom is so that you can go out there and you can be a light to somebody. Because the more people who know the Lord, not the more people who vote the way you vote. No, the more people who know the Lord, the more the kingdom will expand. And the Bible says, like the waters fill the sea. There's not a person in here that can swim all the depths of the ocean with your regular swimming unless you have some scuba gear because it's too much water in the sea. But the Bible says like the water fills the sea, the people on the earth is going to know the Lord. And guess what? It's our job to start it right now telling people about the Lord. Do you know my Jesus? Do you know my Savior? And you don't always have to do it with your mouth. You can do it with your life. Let your life live the sermon that draws people to know the Lord. Final verse, verse 10. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse. Going back to that root. Who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him. And his resting place shall be glorious. Well, that day happened. It happened on the cross. And after the cross and after he got up, they were no longer just talking to the Jews. The Gentiles begin to see him. And the Gentiles begin to seek him. In the back, the Gentiles begin to seek him. The Gentiles begin to see him. That's us. We begin to see the Lord. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to keep it going. We're trying to keep spreading it. Guess what the pandemic was to teach us? Not just that affection can spread across the globe, but God's power can spread across the globe. If COVID can touch the entire globe, what do you think God's power can do? But he starts it in the church to leak out and expand and reach everywhere. I'm going to read these final things, and this is how we're going to close. So put this up. This is what we are doing. What, what, what do you mean, Pastor Andre? I'm saying right now, when you're coming to church, when you're giving in the offer, when you're praising in your seats, some people say, I'm going to get my praise on. That's not all you're doing. This is what we're doing. We are bringing in the kingdom when we worship the righteous, rightful king. So every time you come here and you worship the Lord, you are ushering in the kingdom. You are saying kingdom come or kingdom grow, kingdom expand. In other words, we're creating right now in this place a space for the kingdom of God, the tabernacle of God to be among men. We, we, we're trying to grow and learn it. Then when we go outside of here, we continue to take it. That's why the devil fights us the moment we get out the doors so that we'll just wait till we get back in here. No, but we want to keep it going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And sometimes we get it wrong. I understand that. But if we have the right thinking, we'll, we'll just keep getting back up. Keep getting back up so the kingdom can grow and expand. And here's the next thing we're going to say. Then we have one final. We are reversing the works of the kingdom of darkness. We are declaring God is king right now. And his kingdom starts in me. Oh boy, I can't wait till Benny gets right. No, no, I ain't worrying about Benny getting right. His kingdom starts in me. 
And if I get right, maybe I can help somebody else get right. But his kingdom starts in me. His kingdom expands in me. If I can get me right, I can help somebody else. And the more I get right, the more I expand. It's like fire. It catches the next person. I don't have to worry about Benny, but if he gets close to me, he gets caught on fire. And whoever... It's close to Ben, it gets caught on fire. That's how revival starts. That's how the move of God starts. When one person says, God, let it work in me first. And God let it work in me until it overflows and touches the next person and the next person and the next church and the next church. That's how it works. Final thing. This is like a statement we say to God. I'll say it for all of us, but we're declaring this to God. May your kingdom come. Righteous king, you first came for me. I allowed your kingdom to come in me. And I want to see your kingdom established through me. So you came for me. You came from heaven to earth for me. When you landed in that manger, you landed there for me. But when you went to the cross, it's so that you can come inside of me. But now that I understand it, I'm saying, God, let your kingdom work through me. I'm closing like this. Years ago, we played a a game called telephone. Where I would whisper, let's say I would say, God, may your kingdom come. Let's say I start with Mara. Mara, we got to tell the next person. We got to go all the way around the church. By the time we get to the last person, usually the message is not right. There was a breakdown somewhere. And here's the thing that I'm saying. God, your kingdom is going to come, but God, don't let the breakdown be with me. When your spirit comes to me, don't let me mess it up. God, let your kingdom flow through me. I don't want the breakdown to happen with Deliverance Temple because we focused on the wrong stuff. God, I want your kingdom to shine so the world can know You are the answer. We can complain and we can point at everybody else. We can blame everybody else. But it begins at the house of God. It begins with you and I. And if we can do it and we can get on fire, I'm amazed at what God just might do in this city and around this globe. But it starts with us. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. Somebody say with me, say kingdom come. Dear Heavenly Father God, we thank you and we praise you. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. And God, I told him there was one point that I would come back to. And I'll say it in my prayer. When Jesus showed up, he said, lo, I come in the volume of the book. I come to do your will. And God, as we've embraced you, God, let your will be more important than our will. Let your will be more important than our careers, our families. Let your will be the most important thing. And when we do your will, your kingdom will expand and it will grow. And it will be like the rock that turned into a mountain. It'll be like the branch that turned into a tree. It will make a difference in the land. And it will start with us. In Jesus' name, we pray that everybody say amen. Before we close, let me just say one final prayer. If there's anybody under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, Father, as their Savior, both here as well as online, I pray that you would come in their hearts, that you would come in their lives, and you would set the kingdom up in them and change them from this day forth. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.